So by now, you've probably heard that my company, Sendable, uh, was recently acquired. And I wanted to use this episode just to share the behind-the-scenes process that led me to making that decision. So over the last 12 months or so, I found myself needing to be creative again. I'm not sure if it was because of COVID and just having more time at home, but I found myself just wanting to create stuff. So one thing I did was I started teaching myself how to, how to create music, how to create songs. I learned a lot about music theory and created about two or three songs just for fun. But then I just kept having this need to kind of create more. And um, I started getting back into coding again. And I had this little idea as a result of COVID, a little problem that I saw in the world that I thought I could solve. So I started building a little side project, started teaching myself design, and just rediscovered this passion of mine that I had when I first started Sendable. And I think um, as we've grown, I've just discovered that there have been less opportunities for me to bring real value as an entrepreneur and a founder. Um, you know, the company's grown to almost 50 people uh, in the last year. We hired 13 people uh, just in 2020. And um, as we've grown, I've just not been able to really get my hands dirty. And I think that's where my passion lies. My passion lies in trying things, breaking things, experimenting and learning. And really what my passion is, is creating new businesses. And I discovered that I've, I actually bring more value in the startup phase than in the scale-up phase, which is where we are right now. So right now we're heading into 50, 60 people. And for someone who loves to try things and tinker and experiment and see instant results, I realized that I've had to take a step back. And um, as a result, I've become more of an operator. So I've been doing admin, payroll, looking at API, contracts and um, finance, etc. And that's really been something that I've had to fill as, as the company's grown. I think, um, just to interject, I think that was kind of the turning point a lot for, for Gavin because like in the early days, he would be like on a customer call, the customer would say, Oh, they've noticed this bug and Gavin would just fix it. And if he tested it, he tested it. If he didn't test it, he didn't test it. And then he tried to do that when we had a QA team. And of course that didn't go well. And I don't blame them one bit. Gavin used to come home and say to me, Oh, I got in trouble today for doing X. And I was always on their side because he's hired them to do that work. And then he goes and, and goes over their heads and releases some buggy code. So I can completely understand where they were coming from. And I will always, you know, defend them and back them up. And, um, you know, we've laughed about it now, but you know, this kind of thing I can appreciate from both perspectives here, but I think from Gavin's perspective, here he was this developer who wasn't actually able to develop anything. And he had kind of got it to the point where it was ready to be taken over by these experts that he employed. So I think for him as an individual, it's kind of like, you know, like a, a chef who's watching people make their food or coming up with new ideas based on their original ideas, but they're not actually able to muck in and, and get involved. But I realized that was necessary for us to grow. And I realized that I'm, I'm, a truly, I'm truly a maker at heart, not a manager. And I think for the stage we were at before I made this decision, I realized that there's someone out there who may be able to operate the business better than me. You know, I'm, I'm the startup guy, the guy who wants to create things, try things, break things. Annoy people. <laughs> Annoy people. <laughs> and what the company needed now was someone who could actually operate the business, look after the team, help everyone develop and grow and take us to the next level. So yeah, I found myself holding, having to hold myself back. And um, yeah, I realized that, you know, we, we're at 47 people now, but because I'm also the founder and, you know, I'm 100% owner of the company, we actually could have had 60 people already. But because there's so much of my personal risk attached to the business, I was subconsciously holding us back. I might've been able to push the company forward more had I not been so vested in the company. 
I think also if you, um, some of our fans might have heard uh, the founding story. I think it's also, you know, we have to kind of include the fact that when Sendable was set up, when this idea came to Gavin, it was never it was never intended to be this massive company. He never in his wildest dreams would have ever imagined his little idea would have been um, employing 50 people all over the world. So that was never kind of where his goal was. And it just kind of happened. And before he kind of turned around, this had happened. And I think it was when you kind of stand back and reflect on that, then you realize the scale of this, of this company and how much of an impact it's having both on our employees and our customers. And I think that that was also like something to consider that, you know, he never, it never occurred to him to employ a CEO to, to take over at that stage because he never kind of saw this, this, this happening. It just kind of happened in the blink of an eye, it feels like. Yeah, I guess it was an overnight success that took 13 years. But yeah, I guess, um, you know, I, I learned how to become a really good CEO and how to build an amazing culture at the company and how to empower people and how to hire the best possible talent that we could. And as a result of that, because we had so many amazing people in the company, and we still do, it meant that I needed to let go. And that was what the company needed me to do. But it didn't mean that I was closest to where my skills are. It meant that I had to take a step back to empower the experts that we had hired to move us forward in a, in a big way. And that uh, move on my part really helped to accelerate Ascendable's growth over the last 12 months. And I realized that you know, being a good leader is also recognizing we may be a different leader, maybe able to do a better job for the level we're at. So, you know, I've paved the way, I've hired the amazing people, I've set a vision, and we've we've grown through through my, my leadership. But now is probably the time to hand over the reins to someone else and let them take the company forward. So what did I do? So around the same time as I had this epiphany, there were loads of investors reaching out. As I said, we had this amazing year of growth last year. We're still growing like crazy. And with um, social media taking off even more as a result of COVID and businesses needing to go online, we just had so many investors and people wanting to acquire us. It was clear that we had made a massive mark in the industry. Obviously, suddenly our brand was being recognized and noticed. And um, yeah, I was always honored to hear from them um, in the beginning of 2020. And uh, I got the emails, read them, smiled, and then just hit delete because I'd never planned to sell the company. I was never going to sell it. It was always going to be a passion of mine to keep growing it. As long as I had complete control, um, there was nothing stopping me from doing what I wanted to do and uh, pushing the company forward. And then, yeah, as the year progressed, I uh, started to see more recognizable names in the tech space and started to pay more attention to the offers. Obviously, I can't name who it was that reached out, but some very, very exciting companies. And um, still just looked at them, smiled, you know, had a couple of calls just to see what they were interested in discussing. And um, I would always just say no, and now it's not the right time. I'm not going to sell the company. I'm going to keep growing it. You know, we have this amazing vision. Our brand is so strong. We're growing like crazy. Why would I want to sell? But then as 2020 progressed, as I said, and me needing to be more creative again, I thought maybe I should explore uh, what an exit could be for Sendable, uh, what it might be to try be a founder again. So for me, it's never been about the outcome. It's always been about the journey and kind of enjoying what you do as part of that, that journey. So over the course of 2020 and needing to be creative again and discovering this new entrepreneurial passion or this renewed passion, um, I felt that maybe it was time to try to be a founder again. So I had three options. Either I could hire a new CEO and take a step back and maybe start a new company. With this approach, there would still be risks that you know I'd be attached to the business might still be holding us back as the owner of the company um, with my own sort of interests attached. The other option is we could take investment. This was very tempting, um, you know, because I always knew that investment would help us grow faster. 
But um, I didn't think it would make sense for us to want to exit in three years. You know, we've built this amazing culture that is in it for the long term. We have people who have been with the company for nine years. Um, and I felt that if, if an investor comes in and tries to accelerate our growth, uh, that would destroy our culture in the process. And the other option was to possibly look at selling the company. And this would give me the freedom that I would need to start something new. There'd be more resources in the company to help Sendable grow. Not necessarily push us to grow rapidly, but just to support our, our growth. And because I want Sendable to be around for 30 plus years, the legacy is really important to me. So I wanted Sendable to remain Sendable, the name to be the same, not to merge with another company. So out of all the options, it seemed like um, selling would be the best option for us and would give us the best shot at reaching our potential as a company. And even though I said I would never sell, everything suddenly made sense. It felt like the timing was right. Our growth was right. We're still growing. We're at the size now where Sendable had outgrown me and what I could offer as a, as a founder CEO. So I decided to go back to that list of companies that originally approached us. And because there were so many offers and so many companies interested, I was able to pick and choose the right companies. So when I went back to those companies, I had made a list of criteria that I would need to look out for. The first one was, would our values be aligned? So would, would the company that it might acquire us, do they have similar values to ours? The second thing was our vision. Did they believe in the sendable vision, the vision that I had set for the company? Um, were we aligned on that? The third thing is, would the brand remain the same? So I've, I've worked over the last two and a half years to really build the brand, become a well-known um, you know, player in the space and recognizable you know, it's a tool in the market. And I wanted to make sure that Sendable would stay Sendable. Our brand would be the same. Our colors wouldn't change. Our logo would be the same. So I think when choosing a company, it's so, so important to consider these things because I think that it's very easy to just say, okay, I want to exit. I want to start a new business. This is the amount I want. This is the freedom I want and just go with it and it doesn't really matter. When we took a step back here, we realized Sendable is like, We've been married for the same amount of time that Sendable has been around. So firstly, as, as a married couple, this is all we know. But more than that, Sendable was pretty much our firstborn child. So this wasn't just something that we could just take, you know, do lightly or, or just say, okay, well, the highest bidder can get the company. This wasn't at all the case. We really were looking at people that would look after the employees the same way that we would have and nurture them and enhance their careers the same way as we would have and keep the branding that was designed by the most creative people we had, you know, and respect their wishes and respect their designs and agree with our values and allow Sendable to grow within, you know, using those values. And it was just so important. It wasn't just a, a thing of like the highest bidder can get it and that's it, happy days and we're off. So really when Gavin says we considered these points were important to us, they were like the bread and butter of this decision really. This was like handing over our firstborn child to somebody else to raise them or to let them fly or to take them to the next stage of life. So really just saying that we considered these things is almost an understatement. Of and part of that was making sure our culture would stay the same. So I really didn't want the um, the acquirer to invest more than what Sendable was making in profits into the company. Um, it was important that we would be kept lean, still growing organically, but that they would be able to support our growth and just be there to help us uh, learn and develop, make sure everyone felt nurtured to kind of keep keep growing in their own fields. Um, and then lastly, legacy, as, as I said before, is really important to me. You know, I've built Sendable for 13 years, as Martine said, since we got married. And every waking moment, you know, I was thinking about Sendable. So yeah, keeping the legacy alive, keeping Sendable as Sendable is really important to me. 
So I went back through the list of all the, all the emails that I received, and there was one that really understood bootstrapped companies. Can I just say for one moment, the other thing is we, we recognize the fact that our employees came to work for Sendable because they believed in Sendable. They believed in Gavin's vision. They believed in the legacy. They believed in um, the values and they believed in the brand. So we couldn't even consider selling to somebody who didn't believe in those same things because that would cause significant change in the company that had no reason to need to change. So Sendable got to the stage it is now because of these things. And for somebody to come in and change them would have done such a disservice to Sendable as a brand and as a company and as a as a, um, a job for for our team. So that was very important. Yes, yeah, so I went through the list of all the, um, the, the, the possible acquirers that reached out. And there was one that really understood bootstrapped companies and bootstrapped founders. They reached out uh, in April 2020, and they made an incredible offer in the middle of last year, I believe. Um, I started speaking to them. Originally, I obviously, I, you know, I wasn't ready to to go through this process, and I'd said no. But we we kept speaking on and off for a few months, and they really loved what we were doing at Sendable. They were just in awe of the brand that I'd built and how the company had grown from nothing, you know, as a bootstrapped uh, company. And they just really wanted to support our growth, you know, through this this this, this incredible time that we're going through now. Some of the things that they really liked about Sendable, which obviously is thing I've worked hard to build over the years, was that we're we're obviously authentic. That's one of our values, authenticity. Um, that you know we're very transparent as a company. When you go on the website, you see real people. Obviously, the podcast we like to share behind the scenes. They also really valued our brand presence, which, as I said, I spent so long building and trying to preach and get the brand out there. They also really liked um, our stance on storytelling. So our belief that social media is for storytelling. It's the best storytelling platform there is. And my vision to help brands tell their stories on social media really resonated with them. One of the values that they really loved of Sendables was be the CEO of your domain. That's something that I've I've really um, kind of preached within the company where we've, we've given people complete ownership and autonomy to kind of own their area, own their space, you know, develop in their own field. And um, that's something that they really valued as well. And of course, they, they love the Sendable product. You know, we've been working on the product now for 13 years and making improvements and um, we've introduced, introduced new versions. And it just, just keeps getting better and better and more reliable and more innovative. And they're really blown away by what the product can do and how our customers are, are really loving, loving our tool. The other thing is that they, they really, they deeply understood the social media space. So this, this uh, acquirer of ours, I realized that they could potentially make Sendable the number one tool in the world. And this was really exciting to me. Like they had the, the expertise, they had the resources to really take us from maybe the, the third spot right now where we are, if you look on G2 Crowd, to number one pretty quickly. I think just on that point, I think like it was such an, a massive thing for you to see Sendable in that position, that number one. But, but I just think that Gavin really, really wanted to see Sendable in that spot. But for him, the overhead and the number of people that would need to be recruited and the number of changes that would have need to be made for that to happen in such a positive way would have been taking him way too far away from the position that he wanted to be in as the founder and getting his hands dirty and that type of thing. So that kind of jump over the edge to take us to that next level was what he wanted for Sendable, but he just didn't want to be that CEO to take Sendable to that spot. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I wasn't motivated. I mean, I'm not always motivated by growth necessarily, like how much revenue we can generate, how many customers we can acquire. 
but more about the process itself. Like, am I enjoying what I'm doing every single day? Do I feel fulfilled? And I'd already felt fulfilled when we hired our first employee. I mean, that felt like we made an impact. Or when we brought in our first customer, that was enough of a, a fulfillment for me to know that my idea was having an impact. So I think the fact that we've got to the stage we are now is mind-blowing to me. It's more than I ever expected. And now for us to get to the next level just requires a different kind of leader, you know, a different kind of CEO. So anyway, so when, um, when I reviewed the emails and I spoke to this company, we had a few conversations. It felt like we were aligned, but you know, I still wasn't ready to go through the process and sell the company. But then a few months ago, they acquired a, a well-known tool in our space called Planoly. And Planoly offers um, social media visual planning solutions, mainly for freelancers and, and small businesses. And when I, heard, when I heard that news, I realized that there's definitely something that you know, we could learn from Planoly and uh, working closely with them, not necessarily integrating or merging or anything, but just to be part of the same company or same group of companies would be really beneficial to Sendable, just because our vision is, is quite similar to where Planoly is headed as well. So I decided to start moving things forward and see what things could look like. So this company and I, we were in talks for about five or six months. But more seriously, between November uh, and February, things really heated up and we started discussing what this deal could look like. And finally, um, on uh, February the 11th, which is actually Sendable's 12th anniversary, we reached an agreement for them to acquire us. And this was a, a massive, massive moment for me. As soon as I signed that deal, you know, Martini can tell you what it felt like. Um, I just burst into tears. It was so emotional. Uh, lots of things went through my head. Um, I think the first thing was... Just feeling like uh, obviously proud. I remember when we were on the beach in Cape Town one year and in the beginning, the early days, and we received the first payment from a customer. And I said to Martine, that payment's just paid for our ice cream. Uh, and it was like just a weird moment that we had just been sitting on the beach and someone paid for the tool. Well, I, was, I wasn't even doing any work. It was just paying for our, our ice cream. Um, and that was a, a massive moment for me. So I think that, that went through my head. Also, just all the people we've influenced over the years. You know, We've hired over 100, well, almost 100 employees that have come and gone um, over this period of time. Just thinking of the impact we made on their lives, impact on you know over 5,000 customers, 20,000 users of the platform, and just all the staff we currently have in the company today who have been with us for so long. You know, It's been a very, very loyal team. Um, and I'm just so grateful to them that they've stayed with us for so long. And you know, obviously, the culture has really facilitated their growth. So I just all these emotions went through my head, the team, you know, the beginning, the end. Um, it was really, really emotional. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as we kind of left the meeting, or you know, it was on Zoom. Firstly, the week leading up to that, we were absolutely exhausted. We were because of the time zone difference also, but not even that because we were dealing with um, legal teams in the UK and we were, we were up having meetings with them at 3am and 4am and whatever. So we were absolutely exhausted. But when Gavin clicked that red button to leave the meeting on Zoom and he burst into tears, I, I like, I didn't really know where to put myself because obviously I've been with him by his side this entire time, but like, I didn't expect that kind of reaction from him. And I kind of, I just said to him, like, you are happy, right? This, this is what you wanted like you know I didn't really know what he was feeling it was just this outpour of emotions and he was like yes yes and then like the more like it took him about a good few days really to get over this because of this just this influx of emotions and it was just you know the happy feelings of of what he's achieved and the I suppose the element of guilt of what having to tell the team also came into play then and just just the magnitude of the whole thing. This is, as I said, this is our entire married life. We know no different. So um, 
just the the enormity of the whole thing just came flooding down really and and out I suppose but yeah it really did take a few days and then every I mean we'll get to it now but every kind of step of the way after that every time there was a big announcement he had to make I mean even you know the telling the customers and everything every step of the way has been a huge amount of 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 emotions before actually getting that announcement out because we realized how much of an impact it really has had on people's lives I think it's important also to reflect on the process itself. So obviously the impact on the history and everything, but the process only lasted about six months, possibly. Yeah, as I said, the, the last three months was just me being involved in due, in due diligence meetings, meetings with KPMG, with people analyzing our source code and you know our tech stack and just tons and tons of questions. So there were hours and hours and hours of meetings for three months, just being scrutinized, every single detail of the business being scrutinized. So I think when I signed that final agreement, and actually that week, as Martin said, we hadn't slept in two nights because we were going through the process, working through the, the deal for two nights in a row with the lawyers, obviously checking every single point, going back and forth, trying to agree various points towards the end. I think that was also part of what led to that emotional reaction, just like the end of six months of due diligence, of meetings, of being interrogated literally about the business. I mean, I learned things I never knew about the business, you know? I learned about law, I learned about accounting. I learned so much in those six months. And like, you know, I think that made me realize how amazing this business is, just going so deep into all the details and how well operated it is and just how profitable it is even, like understanding the profitability and the growth and that kind of thing. So realizing that we had built something incredible that someone wanted to buy from us, that after going through all those due diligence calls was worthy of being bought was a huge achievement, I think, in itself. So that that was that moment. Um that culminated in me signing it and then being on a call with the lawyers and just saying thank you and then just breaking down after that. And then once once we signed the deal, the next few days became really, really hard because I needed to tell the rest of the company. Obviously, I'd been doing this privately, secretly for so long, going through the deal, gathering information, you know, sharing data with obviously with the the, the buyers. I think even just in that, in that respect, that was even kind of out of character for you because you've always been so open with the team. So that was a kind of personal struggle too, because suddenly, you know, you can't tell people, you know, there was obviously the chance that whatever they would have found something in due diligence or, or you would have decided not to go for it or whatever. So you can't tell people until it's a sure thing. There was no way. So. So that was kind of the first time ever in the 13 years that you've never been able to be open and you've never been authentic and you've never been able to just share what's going on with the team. So I think that was also a kind of personal struggle for you. Yeah. So the way I shared the information was I first met with the senior leadership team individually. So one-on-one uh, with, each, with each of them. And I explained that I'm stepping down as CEO. That's how I led that, the whole, that, that whole conversation. And then obviously you get these shocked faces and then you go into the reasons as to why you think now is the time. Also, because you you always said you would never sell. So they yeah, never I mean, saw obviously, it coming. No one saw it coming. But when I explained them the reasons why, they completely understood. You know, once they, because obviously they, they, they have known me for a long time. They've seen how Sendable has grown insanely quickly in the last two, three years. And they've seen how I've come from being this maker, this guy who could just do things and, you know, put things live on the on the website or run an A-B test to becoming the CEO who's had to take a step back. And they, they completely understood my reasons. And um, obviously it was a shock to them, but they, they, they completely got it. And then once I'd explained this to the leadership team, I then met with all the managers um, and explained it to each of them. Obviously they were also very shocked. 
And over time, I got used to seeing these shocked faces um, and then obviously explaining my reasoning why and, you know, people started to understand. And then towards the end of that, that week that the deal was done, actually, I needed to present this to the rest of the company. So the managers and the leadership team kept this quiet until I was ready to tell the company. So I arranged this last minute, all hands meeting, got the company together and just told them the story I've just told you now. Um, that meeting started after about three mid-afternoon whiskeys because he was so stressed about having to tell people and he was so nervous. I think I needed to go through a whole bottle of uh, rescue remedy as well. So yeah, the, the rescue remedy and the whiskey really helped. But I basically told the company what I'm telling you now. You know, I explained my, my reasoning and the fact that Sendable has become much bigger than me. And now I just felt like the right time for new leadership for someone else to take Sandable to the next level. And obviously they were very shocked. There were lots of tears after that, that meeting. And, um, you know, when I saw people were upset, I just jumped on calls with them and spoke to them, just try to explain my reasoning and reassure them that nothing will change. You know, um, I obviously I did a lot of due diligence myself on the, the acquirers to make sure that the team would be looked after because just, just as we have customers who need to be looked after, we also have this incredible team of loyal um, employees who deserve to be looked after. And that was really important to me. I think they also need to see it to believe it. So you can tell people to be blue in the face, nothing's going to change. The CEO is going to be nice. You know, she does things that, that I don't do, whatever it is. You can say that to be blue in the face, but until they're actually in the thick of it, they're not going to believe it. So we could reassure them as much as we could. But I think the turning point here was also when they actually met the new CEO, which I'm sure we're going to, Gavin's going to touch on soon, but I think that that really reassured them. They were really able to connect with her. They were able to see qualities very similar in her and Gavin. Obviously, there's advantages. There's things that she does differently. There's things that she'll do better than Gavin and the other way around or whatever it is. But the fact is, is that the biggest question that they were asking is, are their jobs safe? Is anything going to change? What about the culture? There was a lot of talk about the culture because it was set up to be so inclusive, so respectful of everybody and their their careers and what they wanted and what their goals were and just making it a fun, enjoyable place to work where people can feel productive and feel valued. So that was the most important thing for them. So we really had to take the time to reassure them. We really needed to take the time to explain this to them. And then, as I say, seeing is believing. So once once they were able to meet with the new CEO, they were able to see that what we were saying actually was the case and that she had the same values as we had implemented in Sandoval. I think a lot of the fear came from people who had been through prior acquisitions themselves. So, you know, there were quite a few team members whose previous companies had been acquired. And the reason those companies had been acquired was because they were struggling. So I wanted to make it very clear that the reason Sendable was acquired was because we've been so successful. We've been growing so quickly. And just to reflect on the fact that they can be really, really proud of the fact that another company's paid attention to us and that so many other companies took notice. So it's not that we were acquired because we were struggling or, you know, we needed to be rescued. We were acquired because we are so profitable. And after all that due diligence, they would not have acquired us if we were a struggling company. I can tell you that. And uh, yeah, I think it's really, I said to them, it's really rare that a startup with no outside funding gets to survive beyond three years, let alone gets to profitability. And then goes on to being acquired is a, a really rare achievement. And they should be really proud of what they've done, especially over the last two, three years as we've grown so rapidly, just of how, how we've continued to grow like this is just insane. So yeah, I just wanted them to be proud of the fact that we're so small, we bootstrapped, 
and we were able to get the attention of a buyer. And then after all that due diligence and all that process to still become sellable or to be to be sellable after that is, is a huge thing. I think also we had to take the time just to recognize the team because, I mean, yes, Gavin started it. He had the idea, but without the team, Sendable would have, I don't even know where it would be now. Like we've literally had the most exceptional team. I mean, I think we could release a whole nother podcast just on how we recruit because it's become such an important part of Sendable. We have this amazing um, recruitment process and it's very, very, very rare these days that we get it wrong. Like if, if, if ever <laughs> these days, because we've kind of got it down to a fine art now and we know the type of person that we want working um, at Sendable. So the achievements of this team were just exceptional. If it wasn't for the team, there is absolutely no ways we would have had an, an exit like we've had. And there's no ways we would have had the attention. And there's no ways we would have been on G2 crowd as number three or whatever, whatever you said. But there's no ways we would have got the recognition that we have now, if not for this phenomenal team. And as Gavin always said, like sendable or a company in general like this is, is bigger than one person. And, you know, even when they were talking about the culture, the thing is, yes, people say the culture comes from the top and for sure it does. So, but the thing is that Gavin's instilled the, the culture now in the company. So, even if he leaves, the culture stays behind and all the people that have enjoyed this culture and have embraced the culture and have, and have taught it to the other people in the team. So when any, anyone new comes in, they learn that culture just incidentally because it's so instilled in the company. So it doesn't matter that it originally came from the top. It is so the ground now, I don't know, in the foundations, I suppose you can say now that it really makes no difference. It's nowhere near him at the moment. We just kind of oversee it and make sure that it continues. But, um, it really is a phenomenal culture that everybody's really just embraced. So a lot of people are asking what's changing. So Sendable is going to stay Sendable. Nothing is going to change. The only real noticeable thing will be that there'll be a new CEO. Our new CEO's name is, is Caitlin Sorensen. I mean, she has joined us already uh, and I'm in the process of handing over to her. With this change, it'll allow me personally to have more freedom to start something new. The new buyers will operate the business, um, keep it running as it has always been. Um, look after the team and make sure we're, we're continuing to to grow steadily. And our new CEO, Caitlin, has strengths that I don't. So I recognize that you know I'm a technical founder. I was a developer. I learned how to be a CEO over time. And um, you know my strengths aren't necessarily in operations or scaling businesses or kind of helping a scale up. You know I'm less of a people focused CEO. I'm more of a maker. Like I like to create things, try things, push the product. Whereas I think Caitlin brings this all-rounder approach where she'll look after the team, she'll help people grow, help them develop, and allow everyone to thrive, making sure everyone can push the company forward towards the vision that I've left behind. Um, and with that, we'll have the exact same vision. Sendable is going to continue on the path that I've, I've left it with, um, or that I've paved the way for. And um, the new buyers are really excited to, to, to take Sendable to the next level. You know, they, they, they believe that Sendable is one of the top tools, or that they recognize Sendable as a market leader. And they want to just help us get to the top. So it's a big opportunity for everyone, you know, for our, our employees and even for our customers. You know, you're going to see some innovative new features coming on into the Sendable platform. Um, Caitlin is is currently working on a brand new roadmap with the team. Uh, and she'll be sharing parts of that as we develop it over time. So it's a really exciting time to be to be part of the Sendable family. And uh just to explain who the acquirer, who the acquirers are, I realize I haven't mentioned them yet. So the the, the company that's acquired us is called uh, the Alpine Software Group, or ASG for short. 
and they specialize in operating and growing SaaS companies. And they own a group of businesses called Traject, which you might have heard of, which is a collection of um, leading marketing technology software tools. Their most recent acquisition before Sendable was Planly, as I mentioned before. And each, each company is kept separate. So they run independently. So Sendable will be Sendable. Planly is Planly. There's various other companies that are run individually and, and separately. And it's a big opportunity for us as a company to learn from the other businesses in the group. So we, we, we don't expect them to change Sendable or you know make us accelerate our growth. But it's more about giving us the chance to learn from others who have had the same problems we've had as a company. Now, it's important to recognize I've never had any mentors, no help in the 13 years that I've been running this company. I've never really bounced ideas of anyone besides maybe Martine and some of the, the, the leadership team. But um, I've already seen in the few weeks that we've been under there, under Traject, just the enormous amounts of, of learnings and knowledge sharing that's been going on behind the scenes uh, between the various team members. Just things like how we can overcome certain things, you know, what challenges we're facing as a company, how, they have, how they've been able to overcome them and sharing those, those learnings has been immensely valuable. So as I said, there's, there's no immediate changes to Sendable. Uh, we're going to remain the same. So I just want to say a massive thank you to all our listeners. I realize that you're probably made up of employees and customers as well as partners. Just a, a principle of ours at Sendable is to think like a customer. Um, our customers are at the heart of everything we do. And if we weren't for our customers, we really wouldn't be here today. So I just want to say thank you for making us who we are, for helping to shape the company. And also uh, just, just those employees who came to work for me. I mean, Sendable was nothing in the beginning. It was just me with a laptop and a very simple idea. And how people came to work for me, I have no idea. And I must have been a really good salesman back then. But the fact that this little idea turned into a business and evolved to what it has become today has just been such a humbling humbling experience and you know there's so many other companies that you could have joined you know in london or all over the world and you, you chose to come work for sendable and that's just it's just huge it's a huge honor for me to have so many talented people on the team and similarly just for our customers you know there were hundreds of other well-funded social media tools that you could have picked but you chose sendable you know you, you could have gone with hootsuite sprout social companies who had hundreds of millions of dollars of, of funding but you chose sendable and i just hope we haven't let you down over the years just a massive, massive thank you for giving my little bootstrapped idea a chance. And although we're no longer bootstrapped, we still have the same mission. We want to help elevate your brand on social media. Uh, we want to help you get there and help you tell your stories. Um, and I believe now with the additional support from Traject and ASG, we can take much bigger strides towards achieving that goal. And um, you know, I often refer to Sendable as my third child. I've literally thought about it every single day for more than 13 years. It's almost 5,000 days and so many sleepless nights on top of it that it's just been part of me. It's like part of my, my soul, my, my life, my, my journey. So it's hard to let go, really, really hard to let go. But I've realized that for Sendable to reach new heights, it's time for me to step aside and just let it go, let it fly. And to me, it just feels like Sendable is still getting started. You know, it still feels like it's the beginning. And I think the best years are yet to come. You know, we're, we're going to flourish now with different ownership, um, you know, different operators. The future is looking really bright for Sendable. And just a massive thank you for joining me on this journey. Yeah, and I just want to say, um, no, it's really been, it's been like an honor and a privilege, really, to, to have been by Gavin's side this whole time and to just see this little business from, as he said, um, you know, he was content with the fact that the business paid, that whichever, um, customer paid for that account paid for our ice cream. He was content with that at the time. So it's just amazing. Like, as we've said a hundred times, it never, we never intended for it to be this big and this, and this important to people and this, you know, this 
the company it is today. So it's just been astounding to watch it grow, watch it develop, watch Gavin grow as a person, as a CEO, and just see the impact it's made on people. So it really has been an honor and a privilege to have to have experienced it for these last 12 years. And I think something that happened actually, so just during the period where we were speaking to the team about the whole acquisition and everything, we, we actually arranged one-on-ones with everyone in the company just to see how they were feeling, just to debrief after the news came out. And there's one one story in particular, which was really eye-opening. So we, we obviously never saw ourselves as inspiring or anything. Uh, you know, we're just going through the journey here. And um, someone said that the fact that we've become, that we've moved to the UK as immigrants from South Africa. And, uh, you know, I came here by myself in 2005 and with just some, I guess, a bit of money in the, in the bank to last me a few weeks. I slept on, on a friend's mattress in his living room. And uh, just to go from that, coming here knowing no one, just one friend, to building a network made up of customers, employees, partners, that really inspired this person who shared his story, who's also gone on a similar journey to us um, and just said that, that that lesson has really inspired him. Just because, you know, it, it just shows that you can you can start with nothing and start in a new, in a new country and build a network and build something for yourself. So I think that was was really eye-opening. Sure, definitely. I think reflecting on on the last 12 years has been eye-opening for different reasons. We've we've got a lot out of it, definitely. So what's next for me? I'm sure everyone wants to know. So for the next six months, I'm going to be working closely with our new CEO, Caitlin, just to ensure that there's a smooth transition for the company. After that, I'm going to just try see if we can travel, uh, maybe take a bit of a break. Our kids maybe can meet their father without Sendable <laughs> in his life. I think just, just the fact that I've never had a complete break from Sendable would be incredible. You know, for 13 years as an owner and a founder, you just cannot ever switch off. You know, when I'm on holiday, I'm always checking emails, checking customers are okay, the servers are up. Yeah, there was one time we were about to board a plane back in the early days before there were other people to manage the servers and the servers went down. And I remember they were calling Gavin's name, they're calling, 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 and he just couldn't get on the plane and just not have Wi-Fi because he needed to get the servers back up from his mobile. So we have tons of stories like that where it just really consumed us for sure over the years. Yeah, so I think just having a break, a, a proper complete break, even just for a week would be incredible. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm really ambitious. So I'm really itching to to start something else. I do have something that I'm working on on the side and I can't wait for the world to see it. So I'm going to be sharing my journey as I go about um, just uh, launching it, you know, adding the finishing touches and getting it out into the world. I'm going to be sharing sort of the lessons that I've learned in growing Sendable and how I'm using that to grow my new um, idea. So if you want to just follow along with that process, that journey, you can, as I said before, you can subscribe to my newsletter. Just go to gavinhammer.substack.com, add your email address there, and um, you'll receive an email whenever I publish the next one. And as soon as this is launched, you'll be the first to know. So um, yeah, thanks for listening and thanks for being part of our story and uh, looking forward to staying in touch.